welcome to Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets presented by Prize Picks. I am Gary and Thorne. We are continuing our 2021 MLB season preview on the show today. But before we get into any of that, I want to remind you guys to head over to prizepicks.com. They've got some great daily fantasy games there, especially with the baseball season just around the corner. And if you sign up using the promo code MMNMLB, you will get a first match deposit bonus of up to $100. Also want to remind you guys to head over to the audio version of this podcast and subscribe. Leave us a review, a five-star review, hopefully, on iTunes. Say something nice in that review. Leave your email address or your Twitter handle. Some way we can contact you and you will be put into a draw for $100. That is the Pat Mayo special right there also if you're watching on youtube right now please make sure to click that like button subscribe to the channel and in the comment section below tell us who you think the most influential and impactful prospect will be fantasy wise for the 2021 mlb season because that's exactly what we are talking about today with eric cross the lead fantasy baseball writer and prospect analyst over at Fantrax. eric how's it going man going well Gary and going well it's got some nice weather up here in Maine finally and it was touching 60 degrees over the weekend got out with my kids got some hikes in so it's great and like I said baseball is right around the corner so it's a very very fun time thanks for having me on oh no worries a pleasure to have you on as always man and uh I, I would rather have no one else on to talk about this specific thing because we are getting down and dirty with some prospect talk and it's a really weird time to analyze prospects because there just wasn't a minor league season in 2020. So in general, before we get into any specifics, how have you found following prospects and kind of parsing through the just whatever we had last season? I mean, there were no actual numbers. We just had like reports from the, the alternate training sites and, and all this kind of stuff. So how have you found the practice of prospect analyzation in 2021 yeah it's like you mentioned it's really crazy right now and what i've tried to do is not overreact too much to what we heard those reports coming out of the alternate site and really waiting to see if some of the reports i heard stuck you know in spring training this year like for instance like a jaron duran from my boston red sox the reports were that all right the power is really ticked up last year I'm like okay that's great but let's see that in games and he's hitting for power this spring so now I'm like, all right, now I'm going to bump them up even further up my ranking. So yeah, just try not to overreact too much either way, whether it be you know good reports or bad reports that you hear on these players, because, you know, it wasn't in game action. It was in the you know, sim games against pitchers from their own org. So you, you kind of just got to take that with a grain of salt. But yeah, it's, it's been really crazy, though. And I feel like, too, just with the the boom of like sports card trading and everyone out there buying like boxes of Bowman, I, I, I feel like people are going to be more attached to some of these prospects than usual. Like it's a really strange time and it doesn't get any less strange as we dive into the first guy I wanted to talk about, which is Jerry Kalenic. I mean, this is someone who was almost the poster child for time manipulation and <laughs> and just everything that MLB teams do to keep those service years intact obviously there was the whole Mariners scandal and 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 all the repercussions that came with that and we learned so much about how they operate as an organization maybe too much about how they operate <laughs> as an organization but Kalenic's just someone who we've been talking about for a long time now I mean when you were a former Met prospect when you're in a high profile trade like he was kind of comes part and parcel with that but 
you know, had a, had a slight knee injury during spring training. Some people thought that maybe that would take him off track to be on the opening day roster. It feels like he's not going to be on the opening day roster anyway. We'll probably see him towards the end of April. But of the guys we're going to talk about today, he seems like he has the inside track to be the most impactful fantasy baseball asset in 2021. And right now his NFBC ADP kind of reflects that. I mean, it's not going to be so impressive, but he's going around pick 200, pick 210. Uh, He's an actual baseball player. That's how people are treating him this season. What are your expectations for Kalenic? And is, is he someone who can possibly overshoot his ADP right now and bring someone back a lot of value? I think he is, you know, for redraft leagues, the type of prospects I look at to draft and that can return the most immediate value are those advanced bats, the ones that make a lot of contact, high average guys. And he's it, right? He's not going to be like a 330 hitter, but through them out the minor leagues, he's always been right around 290, got plenty of power, plenty of speed. He even said a couple of days ago, he wants to steal 30 bases this year. You know, whether that's, you know, mostly, you know, at, at the major league level, combination of that and AAA, we'll see. But he's the type of guy, when he says something like that, I believe him. Like he has that chip on his shoulder type of mentality that I love in players, you know, kind of like, you know, that chip, I'm not comparing him to like Tom Brady or Michael Jordan by any means, but like, had they always had that chip on their shoulder, always found reasons to like that bolt and board material just to drive them to that next level. He has that, he has that swagger kind of like Juan Soto. He has that swagger, that drive, that personality that I love that I think star players need to have for the most part. And all the skills are there, all the skills in the world. Like I said, High average, good plate approach, power, speed. It's all there. And I think, yeah, he's going to be up. If he's not up by May 1st, I'll be absolutely shocked. I was hoping they would get a, you know, learn from their mistake with that whole PR nightmare. And like, all right, well, let's let's not deal with another PR nightmare and have him in the opening day lineup. But, you know, the knee injury, it gives them kind of a cop out to, yeah. you know, giving him the next couple of weeks, triple A to make sure the knee is okay. You know, some BS answer they'll find. The teams always find that, right? The, oh, work on the defense or, you know, <laughs> whatever it may be. So they'll find whatever reason they want to keep him down, get the extra year of control. But yeah, he'll be up by the end of April. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to hit the ground running. He'll probably hit in the middle of the order, has all the tools in the world. So I'm okay. You know, lately, the last few years, I've actually tried to shy away a little bit because that's something that used to bite me in the past was I'd go too prospect heavy. And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, then you have to hold on to these guys for May, June, July. It might not be up always in April like Kelnick is. So, but I think he's one that if you're going to get a prospect this year, Kelnick is the guy because he's, I think he's going to be an absolute stud from the get go. And right now he is MLB pipelines, number four overall prospect. And uh, as you said, plays with a chip on his shoulder, where will he possibly find bulletin board material? It's, it's going to be so hard to find uh, <laughs> considering all that's happened in the last month or so. Right. Uh, someone who comes in at number six on MLB pipelines, top 100 heading into the 2021 season is Mackenzie Gore. I feel like we've also been talking about Gore for a while now. And he was someone who even in 2020, even in the shortened season, there were times like you're, you're setting your fab bids on Sunday and you're like, maybe this is the week. Maybe this is the week Mackenzie Gore gets called <laughs> up and is just a dominant force on the mound. And I mean, granted, again, this goes back to just not having a 2020 minor league season. You look back at the 2019 numbers in high A, they're ridiculous. Like a 1.20 ERA, a strikeout rate up around 38%. Like, it's, it's normal for an advanced prospect like this to dominate the lower levels, but even I had to take a moment and go, wow, these numbers are, are just incredible. 
the issue it seems for people who at least want to be drafting him for fantasy purposes in non-dynasty formats in 2021 is his pathway to the majors is very clouded because the Padres signed everyone this off season. Yep. <laughs> uh, I mean, they have huge question marks with uh, Denelson Lamette. Obviously Clevenger's not going to pitch for them this season, but still they have a rotation chock full of stars is this a case though, where no team gets through the season unscathed and at some point Mackenzie Gore is going to have to pitch, or is this a case where they might just say, Hey, we've got so much right now in our system. We, we don't need to force this. I think at the beginning, it's going to be more of the latter there where I think they are very confident in the rotation they have, and they should be like, they, they have a loaded rotation. Only the Dodgers can really compare in terms of the sheer talent, but like you kind of alluded to, there's a lot of risk in this rotation. And I don't think anybody in this rotation is not risky. Maybe Paddock is safe kind of like from an injury perspective, at least this year, but even he's not like super safe, right? You Darvish has had his issues off and on with injuries. So Blake Snell is not a guy that I, I feel like hundred percent confident in him making 30 plus starts either. So there's definitely a path to some valuable innings from Gore. And maybe he gets, you know, a little bit of the bullpen treatment, like a little bit of the Chris Sale treatment this year, where he's pitching, you know, multi-inning release stands to start the year. So I still think whether it's, you know, what, how that looks, whether it's more so relief, more so starting, a little bit of both, kind of the hybrid role. I think he gets 100 to 120 innings or so. And I think that'll be enough to provide some value there. So you mentioned the stuff, like he checks off all the boxes that you want from like, you know, the frontline ace type of pitcher. And he has the highest upside of any prospect in the minor leagues. Some have moved, you know, Sixto Sanchez ahead of him, but I am on Angora. Yeah, there's some issues there. Like the, the fastball velo has kind of been kind of wonky. The command has not been great, both in, in 2020 from the reports and so far this spring. So there, it's he's not a perfect, you know, no pitching prospect, even Mackenzie Gore, no pitching prospect is perfect. So, you know, there's always that risk there, but the stuff is just so good. Like you mentioned, the strikeout rate is elite. It was 33 and percent for his career, which anything over 30 is like, that's like my benchmark for elite, right? He's well over 30 walk rate has been low as well. 7.3% walk rate in his minor league career. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to give you plenty of good innings this year. There's no way that all five of those guys in that potty rotation are going to be making 30 plus starts. I will bet any, I'll bet my entire bank account, any, my, my children's savings accounts, everything that I have against that. So I, I think there's definitely a chance he gets some, some innings this year for sure. So his NFBC ADP right now is hovering around pick 350, which means if you're in a 15-man league, you're probably going to have to draft him at the back end if you want to have his services this year, or you know someone might get tired of him if he's not called up by June or July. That stuff happens as well. But is, is he someone who you would say you would want to target at the back end of drafts, or is he someone – you're more thinking about in a way if he gets called up, I'm running to the waiver wire and bidding a lot of what I have left on, on, on Mackenzie Gore. Um, how do you go about just managing him as a pure 2021 fantasy asset this season? Yeah, that's a great question for me. I don't like spending a lot of fab on pitching prospect. I just don't because more often than not, you don't get a good return on investment because you obviously get the pony up a lot of money to get a guy like Mackenzie Gore because everyone's going to be, you know, putting in crazy bids on Mackenzie Gore. So I would probably, as I think he's going to be up early enough where if, if I didn't think he's going to be up until July, I wouldn't do this, but I personally think he's going to be up, you know, by Memorial day or so. And so I think that's early enough where I'm, I'm okay stashing him for a little bit, especially if I have, 
you know, if I'm getting to that point in the draft and I, and I have a rotation that I feel confident in, I'm like, all right, I can afford to take a risk here, go with an upside play because, you know, worst case scenario, you know, you can drop him and, you know, find someone else if you, that late, you know, what's the risk really in drafting him in the last round or last two rounds, whatever it may be. So yeah, I definitely would, would prefer to go a late one flyer on him as opposed to waiting and spending a crap ton of fab on him. Cause that's what's gonna, that's what's going to take. Well, speaking of guys who people are just excited about and would definitely garner a crap ton of fab uh, if they were ever available this season, the number seven overall prospect on MLB pipeline is Bobby Witt Jr., uh, a name that people are very, very excited about. And and in the last two weeks, he's only helping his cause. Uh, he's been definitely making some headlines in Royals camp, so much so about a week ago, Dayton Moore came out and said, you know, it, it seemed like just GM talk. And I think we all kind of <laughs> knew it, but he was yeah. like, I'd be open to the idea of possibly having Bobby Witt on the opening day roster. And we're all like, nah, but okay. Like that's more than we've heard. Cause I think the consensus was 2022, you know, it was almost like he was off people's radar. Yeah. And even on Sunday, they send him down to low A. So it's, he's probably not going to be here in 2021, but I want to pose the question. If we all get that news alert on, you know, June 15th, that Bobby Witt Jr. has been called up, how do you handle that? Like, is this a, like a DEFCON 5, like we, we have to go at it and get this guy? Or is it just he's so young and he's got so much of that prospect cachet that maybe it'll just be a little too perfect stormy in a scenario like that? I think more so the, the latter there. I love Bobby Witt Jr. And you hit it on the head where, you know, if you would ask me, you know, earlier in the offseason, like November, December, what I thought his ETA was, yeah, I would say, you know, mid to late 2022, maybe even 2023. But the way it looked this spring and there was good reports on him out of the alt site last year. And, you know, he has, everyone speaks highly of Bobby Witt, his teammates, the organization, they all speak highly of his character, his makeup, his work ethic, all those intangibles that don't show up in the box score. So that's always good to hear. And, you know, with him, when he was drafted, the power speed was there. Like nobody was questioning the power speed. It was like, all right, how does he develop at the plate, the approach? And that's still, you know, a work in progress. Yeah, it was great. He was hitting all these home runs this spring. Very exciting. Hit that tank off of, uh, was it Bieber he hit that one off of? Yeah, I, I believe yes. so. Yeah, it was Bieber. Otani also lit up Bieber. Bieber's having a rough uh, spring. He spring. is, yeah. He definitely is. Um, but yeah, so that made you know the buzz out of control and then like you mentioned Dayton Moore caused his his ADP to go up at least 50 spots at least maybe 100 with, with saying oh yeah he might be yeah I consider it like all right yeah the buzz went out of control there but there's still some something to work on here he, he doesn't have really any experience above low a you know was really what he's shown so far has been rookie ball so definitely not a finished product by any means still had some strikeout issues even though he was hitting very well was still striking out too much this spring which it's not a huge concern like i don't think it's gonna be a long-term concern and he's a young player in spring training so i'm not gonna overreact to that but at the same time there's still some work to be done i think he could greatly benefit from at least half season close to a full season more in the minors get up in the double a face that really double a is really like the first time you really face advanced pitching right. in a low a you know p pitching quality isn't usually too great down there so i'd love to see him get some double a time you know mid-season here but the royals have shown that they're you know one of the more aggressive organizations in terms of promoting guys they brought Mondesi up when he was 19 or 20 in the world series a handful of years ago they promoted you know brady singer last year pretty aggressively chris bubich i think the same thing this year with daniel lynch and jackson coar as well they'll probably be up 
that's just how they've operated. So I think there's a shot he's up. And if so, I probably would shy away because all the buzz that happened this spring, I think he's going to go for a crazy big fab bid. And I just don't know if he's going to you know live up to that this year. The long term, all in, I think he's going to be an absolute stud for fantasy purposes. But this year, I'd kind of shy away if he does come up because you're going to have to spend a lot of fab and it probably won't be worth it. Yeah, it is. It really does illustrate the difference between dynasty and redraft. I mean, they're just two completely different animals when we're talking prospects. And it's so interesting in that way. Even that conversation kind of reflects our next prospect that we're going to talk about. MLB Pipeline's number 12 prospect, someone who I think we're all kind of familiar with because he came up and got some serious playing time in the Braves playoff run last season. But Christian uh, Christian Pache, great great defensive center fielder i mean his defensive grades are off the charts amazing but it's one of those things where that's the element of a prospect that doesn't really translate to fantasy baseball and he's someone who i don't want to say has struggled to hit throughout the minor leagues but clearly hitting is not what has got is 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 not the skill or the trait that has gotten him to the point Mm -hmm. he is currently and yet of the guys we've talked about he is probably the only one who's got a guaranteed roster spot on opening day and is going to be batting probably eighth, maybe ninth even for the Braves. But, you know, he's struggling in the spring. He's, he's two for 23 right now with nine strikeouts. He struggled at the plate in the playoffs as well. It's, it's not the same conversation, but I, I know a lot of the talks surrounding Cabrian Hayes when he came up for the Pirates last year was, this guy's a gold glove caliber third baseman. We have questions about the bat. And then he's never stopped hitting since he's put on a Pirates uniform. Is there a scenario where that happens with Pache? Or, or is he someone who the Braves are just like, you're only here because our lineup is so good, we'll just settle for a gold glove caliber center fielder? I think he's going to hit. I don't think he's going to be a star offensively by any stretch of the imagination. But I think there is enough there that he could be a viable fantasy asset. And what the great thing is about what you kind of mentioned with the defense and the fact that the Braves lineup is so good that they can afford to let him figure it out, right? Right. He's already providing value to them with his defense and his arm, which is one of the most valuable things. As a Red Sox fan, you know, watching, you know, Mookie Betts in center field and, you know, um, Jackie Bradley Jr. the last handful of years, before that, Jacoby Ellsbury, the value of a good defensive center fielder that can cover so much range is so valuable to these major league teams. And so that's what he provides. So he'll get a longer leash than most, even if he's hitting – you know, a buck 50, you know, going into May, like, all right, you're still providing defense. You're just hitting eighth, whatever. You know, we'll still give you a longer leash. And he's like the offensive tools. There are some intriguing tools there, but he's kind of like been a slower to develop prospect. And he's been kind of young at every level too. And he's still very young. I think he's still at what, 21 or maybe 22 at the most. And so I think this, if you would kind of adjust what your expectations are for Christian Pache, where he's not going to be a stud, right? But I think he, he's shown that he has good contact skills. He's, I think, a, a right around 280 for his minor league career. And there is some pop and speed there, but, you know, he's been, you know, he's a really be more selective. He's been a below average in terms of success rate on the base pass in the minor right. leagues. I think each of the last two years in the minors, 2018, 2019, he was below 50% success rate. So I'll have to improve his pitcher reads there. But I think he could be like a sneaky 15-15 guy in, in time, maybe even this year. Um, if the if the bats are there which they should be and i think the average should be pretty solid as well so if you kind of just temper your expectations like all right he's not gonna be a star but can he be a useful back end asset that can be a little bit of everything i think there's some value there for sure 
No, I think it's interesting. And and the last point you made was something I was going to ask you about, which is right now with his NFBC ADP outside the top 400 picks, he's someone who you can almost take a flyer on with your last yep. selection. Yep. Maybe if you need stolen bases and, and is he the kind of guy who you think has 15 to 20 stolen base potential this season? If he gets up to 550, 600 plate appearances. I do. Cause the speed's there. He's highly athletic. He's shown that both on the bases, even though, like I said, he's still kind of raw as a base dealer, but I, I he's, he's going to have to improve there. Cause if he's still getting caught over half the time, then they're not giving him the green light, but just in general, I think he does have 15 to 20 stolen base, maybe a little more. Like, you know, if, if he improves his reads, he could be a guy that's like low to mid twenties at, at peak. I really do. And yeah, so I think he could be that late round cheap speed. Again, like you mentioned ADPs after 400, he doesn't work out. You cut him for the hot, you know, the hot free agent. So low risk for a potential solid reward. So I like it. Well, the guy right below him on MLB pipelines, top 100 prospects is Dylan Carlson, who. Of the guys we're going to talk about on the show today, uh, like like Pache, seems to have an entrenched spot in this Cardinals opening day lineup, but his ADP is the highest. I mean, he's someone who you, I don't want to say you have to pay a premium for because it's around pick 150, but, you know, there are MLB all-stars going around pick 150 in fantasy right. drafts in 2021. So he's someone who, even with that prospect cachet, you're going to have to line him up directly against known commodities and kind of see how you want to attack that because, you know, he was someone who had his moments in the Cardinals postseason run. Um, he's obviously flashed plus power. Um, but at the end of the day in his, I believe he had 131, excuse me, 119 plate appearances last season slash 200, 252, 364, just a 65 WRC plus. So he struggled in his first taste of major league baseball, but the tools are obviously all there. Um, he's someone who could find himself I mean, he hit cleanup for the Cardinals in a playoff game. So clearly lineup positioning could also be a very big deal for yep. someone like Carlson. Is he someone who you think the offensive potential is there to match the ADP in 2021? Or is he maybe someone who's already lining up to have like the overlooked prospect bounce back season in 2022? I think the overlooked prospect bounce back season really is. I like Dylan Carlson, but I do think his ADP is a little hot. You mentioned there's a lot of good players in that range. That I just flat out like more, and that's not anything against Dylan Carlson. I just I look for a little more stability there. And you know, a 15 teamer, you're gonna take him around as your you know 10th round or so, maybe yeah. even a little higher, depending on what what the board's looking like. Because now he's a, he's a hot prospect, so they always could be bumped up a round or two. That always is a possibility. But with Carlson, like you mentioned, the power is there. Like he's shown that plus power he's a 30 home run bat middle of the order bat you know i do kind of question a little bit the average and the, the speed because if you're looking at what he did in 2019 when he had i think it was 20 i think it went 26 and 20 in double a for mostly in double a but a little bit triple a as well he's not a 20 steel guy i don't think he's that type of speed guy can he add like you know five to ten steals sure he's, he's got some speed average speed so add a little bit of speed there but if you're looking for that 20 steel guy i don't think that's him and really until 2019, when he hit 292, he didn't really hit for, he was in like that 250-ish range. And I don't think he's that type of hitter, but maybe he's only 260 where, you know, in time, I think he could be maybe a Michael Conforto type, best case scenario, maybe with a little bit lower OBP, but you know, I don't think that's going to be this year. So if he was going around like pick 200, I'd be, I'd be much more okay with that. But there's so many good guys I'd rather have, like that's the range where I usually like to attack pitching and there's a lot more established hitters there that I'd like. 
So I think for this year, I'm kind of shying away. But long term, I think he's still a very viable bat. While I guess we could say that Carlson has the inside track to 600 yeah. plate appearances when you're like comparing him to someone like Kalenic. I mean, is it is it almost crazy that he's going 50 picks ahead of Jared? Like, because it, it, it seems like your excitement level for one versus the other is it's pretty noticeably different. Yeah. You know, I, I think this is, I'm also one of probably the higher people around in the industry on Jared Kalanick, but I, I think the reason why he's, you know, uh, Carlos is going about 50 ish spots higher, obviously it's because he's already, he has the lineup spot and he's already, you know, debuted, even though the debut wasn't great. He already had, he already got his feet wet, which I think goes for a lot. Kalanick, he, Kalanick could struggle. Like he might not, like, every prospect could struggle. So the fact that Carlos has already got his feet wet, he made adjustments. He came back, get a little, little bit of a gap and then came back and he looked a little bit better at the end of the season. So that's definitely encouraging. Like I said, if Kelnick was, I mean, uh, if Carlson was going around where Kelnick was going, I think I would take a shot on Carlson there for sure. just because he's already in the lineup. St. Louis loves him. He's going to be hitting, like you mentioned, favorable, either fourth or fifth in that general vicinity. It's a pretty sneaky, good St. Louis lineup too. It's not great. But there's some good bats there, right? You know, you got Goldschmidt, Arenado's there now, Paul DeJong. You know, that's a very good lineup. Um, so I think he could have some good counting stats, at least some good RBIs as well. But yeah, I think he's just going a bit too high for my liking. It, or if I thought the average would be better, I'd feel more okay about that. But I think he might be a guy that only hits like 250 or so this year. Well, someone who's also known for his bat is Andrew Vaughn, the number three overall selection in the 2019 draft. He is also a top 15 prospect on MLB Pipeline. And it seems like there's a chance, maybe even a pretty good chance, that he makes the White Sox opening day roster. They would have to open up a 40-man spot. Right now, he's a non-roster invitee. But, you know, that's that's pretty basic work. They've been planning to open up a roster spot for this guy at some point this season. So yeah. I, I think the, uh, the, the pathway is there. I, I don't think that's too much of a worry. But, you know, he's someone who does not technically have a professional baseball plate appearance above high A, yet he's also one of those very polished collegiate hitters we talk about that can kind of move through the system faster uh, than some of your younger prospects. So I don't know. It, it seems like there's definitely a chance he makes this team. He's probably not going to get the Dylan Carlson treatment where he's like a cleanup hitter or batting fifth. It's probably more towards the, the end of the White Sox lineup, but this is a stacked lineup. Uh, I mean, this is a team that people obviously want to get a piece of heading into 2021. And, Vaughn almost seems like he could be a very affordable way to do that. Is he someone who you think can make that jump from high A to MLB and have immediate success? I do. Like you mentioned, he has shown throughout his entire collegiate career and throughout his you know, brief minor league career, he's a very, very advanced bat. The contact skills are there. He could be a 300 hitter in time. Power is there as well. 25 to 30 home and pop as well. And the approach is for a first baseman to have this type of approach where the strikeout rate is, is really low with him. Good, good walk rate as well. You don't see that a lot. The guys are you now our first baseman is, has a walk rate near his strikeout rate, which is pretty, pretty damn impressive. So I do think he's one of those bats that can make that more seamless transition. And like you mentioned, that white sucks lineup is loaded, like hitting seventh there is almost as good as hitting fifth for the Cardinals. You know, it's because right. he's still going to have, Luis Robert, Nick Madrigal hitting around him, like, you know, hitting right behind, like, you guys want to Grandal and Eloy Jimenez, Yohan Mankata. Like, there's so many studs in that lineup, man. It's like hitting seventh there is better than hitting fourth in the calf the MLB organizations. Like, it's better than hitting fourth in Kansas City or Baltimore, especially Pittsburgh, anywhere in Pittsburgh. But uh, 
but yeah, I think there's there's a lot of good things to like about Andrew Vaughn. Like I said, he's one of those advanced bats that I like to target. And I think, yeah, he's going to be up early. And it, there was, you know, talks that he was, you know, White Sox were talking to him and his agent about a long-term contract. Right. We'll see if that, you know, we got, what, nine, ten days until opening day. So we'll see if that gets done. But even not, he, I think he's in that Kelnick time range where he could be, he's definitely going to be up by the end of April. And I think he's a hit right off the bat. You know, he could be, a, you know, 275, 280 hitter this year, 20 bombs, a good, you know, good lineup, good ballpark for, for hitters as well which factors in too. So I think all the ingredients are there for a, a very strong rookie season from him. And, you know, outside of the elite options, first base gets kind of meh, right? Like right. you get down to like the mid, you know, pick hundred range, like, all right, Anthony Rizzo getting older, you know, on the decline, didn't have a great year last year. Max Muncy had a down year, Josh Bell, I mean, it's like, you know, I might say take him over these guys. He's, he's I, I would definitely take those guys, but if, if you want to wait and you want to pair him up with a guy that you don't feel like, maybe you got Josh Bell, you don't feel great about it. Like, all right, let me take an upside play here. Maybe he becomes my starting first baseman, which I think is definitely possible. I think he could be, you know, by the end of the year, a guy that was, you know, winds up as a borderline top 15 first baseman this year. I think he's that good. Well, someone who's playing a lot of first base in spring training, and that's not a good thing, is Alex Kirilov It seemed like there was a lot of optimism that this guy could break camp this year with the starting outfielder job for the Minnesota twins playing alongside, you know, Byron Buxton, but you know, it's, it's weird because for a lot of fantasy, you don't want to overreact to spring training because right. you know, what are, what are we really learning with some of these 10 year veterans in spring training? You know, maybe there's some pitcher velocity stuff, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, generally speaking, take it with a grain of salt, but Kirloff needed to have, a good spring training because he was trying to win a job. It has not gone very well. He is four for 31 entering play on Monday. And like I said, he's not playing a lot of outfield. He's playing a lot of first base and first base is a position currently occupied on the Minnesota twins roster. So that's got a lot of people starting to say, is this guy going to start the season in triple a? And, you know, we just talked about Andrew Vaughn right now. Kirilov has a higher NFBC ADP than Andrew Vaughn, because again, there was such optimism that this guy was going to make the jump this year. And, you know, he's obviously also got the distinction of being the first player in major league history to make his MLB debut starting a playoff game. So, you know, a high bar, a high watermark uh, for <laughs> right. your prospect trajectory. So we know a lot about this guy. Expectations are high. He's obviously got plus power. Do you think he's destined for AAA or, or is he someone who's going to make the major league roster and if he does start in AAA, how quickly do you think he can overcome the slow spring training and get to the MLB? That's a great question because beginning of spring training and you know all through January, February draft season kicking up, I was in the mindset that he was going to start. Like it, all the ingredients were there for him to be a starter. You know, maybe may on a strong start of a, of a platoon with like Brent Rooker or someone like that, but I thought that at least the bats would be there at least you know four or five games a week. And now, like you mentioned. Hasn't looked great this break. He really needed that have a even. I don't. He didn't need to even tear the cover off the ball. Like he would just needed to have like a decent spring. It's not a bad spring, right? And unfortunately, like you mentioned, you just mentioned four for thirty-one. He's having a bad spring and playing you know more first base in the outfield. So I do think because with a guy like Karloff, I don't think it's not viable to like have him up playing sporadically. Right. That's not really like, why, you know, like the Rockies do that, but you know, the Rockies are the Rockies. <laughs> not exactly like, the model of a franchise you want to follow. Yeah. Like don't, don't follow the Rockies path there, but you know, 
So I think he does at this point, if I had to bet money, I think he does start in triple A, but again, I don't think it's going to be too long there because he's one of the best pure hitting prospects in the minor leagues. Like, and I was just talking about this with uh, Joe Pizzapi, like in Kirloff's down season, down season, I'm using air quotes for usually they're not watching this. It was 283. Like he is that good of a hitter, 300 caliber hitter with good pop. He reminds me a lot of like a Michael Brantley where he might not get like, crazy love because he doesn't have huge power or anything like that doesn't have any speed really to, to factor in but such a very good hitter that he's just gonna be that type of guy a year in year out you're like oh yep never a good season from Alex Karoloff another 290 25 home run season from Alex Karoloff and you know maybe that won't be this year probably but I do think he'll be up early and I still think you know we still got time like we still got another week here of spring training so maybe he turns it around gets that spot whether it be you know dh or a corner outfield spot so i thought something there's a chance that he could turn it around but he's a very good hitter so i don't think this is going to last long i'm not worried about him at all like i said i look at what he's done over the majority of his minor league career which has been hit 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 for average and for power so yeah i still think he's gonna be a viable fantasy option but I would probably take Vaughn for this year. I really right. would. As I, as I think that Vaughn will get, you know, more playing time. He's in a, a better, even though Minnesota's a good lineup too. Uh, he's in a better lineup, better hitters park a little bit. So I think, you know, they're, well, they're both pretty close. I think there's a little bit more immediate impact from Andrew Vaughn. Once again, that is Eric Cross, the lead fantasy baseball writer and prospect analyst over at Fantrax. You can read all his work over there. Eric, thanks so much for taking the time, man. So insightful and uh, good luck with the 2021 fantasy baseball season. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was this was a blast. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, baseball season's here. It's it's here finally. So yeah, thanks for having me on. That was a lot of fun. Just want to remind everyone once again that you can head on over to Prize Picks, the presenting sponsor of Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets. Go over there and get your first deposit bonus matched up to a hundred dollars when you use the code MMNMLB. Give this video a like. And again, in the comment section below, tell us who you think the prospect that's going to impact the 2021 season the most is going to be. I am Gary and Thorne. Keep your eyes on the Mayo Media YouTube channel for more fantasy baseball preview for the 2021 season. But we'll catch you guys later.